This is The Shift Podcast. Coming up on The Shift Daily Podcast, Blaine Kylo joins us to talk about LG living the phone business. They're out, they're tapping out, plus how realistic is Major League Baseball on video games. MLB 2021 is going to be available on Xbox for the first time ever for all of you gamers. Have you ever heard about unicycle hockey? Yeah, me neither. But it's a thing. And we chat about it with Tynan Rollo. Apparently, unicycle folks all flock together and they play hockey. It's more like floor hockey, but they call it unicycle hockey. Sounds really cool and it's coming up on the podcast. Are you okay with marijuana-themed license plates? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. In the meantime, though, let's get started with the technological world. tell you this that it's probably uh we could change the title of this segment from the technological world to to holy moly it would appear to me uh that somebody went out and uh got himself a haircut Damn! he looks fine handsome as ever it was uh time for the summer cut summer's summer's in vancouver summer's almost here yeah Looks good. You look good. You look clean, cut, happy. It's awesome. Welcome to the program, Blaine Kylo. How are you? I am hopped up on all the kids' Easter candy. Are you? You dipping That's in your dad tax sometimes? Right? Taking the dad tax? Yeah. No, it's just outright theft. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, Blainer, let's get ourselves into some technologi- uh, technological things here and um, get started with our conversation. Um, you know, it is springtime. It is the time of year that, um, you know, a lot of people will think, oh, slow down on technology. There's not much happening. Uh, no, uh, no, but no, it would appear that some companies are pulling out. Some companies are going all in. What's the update? Yeah, LG is getting out of the smartphone business. They announced this. It's a bit of a surprise on Monday. Um, news coming out of South Korea. The tech giant has decided to focus, and this is a quote, focus resources in growth areas such as electric vehicle components, connected devices, smart homes, robotics, AI, and business-to-business solutions. Um, wow. At one point in time, LG was behind only Apple and Samsung in terms of um, market share for smartphones. That was back in 2013, but in under 10 years, they were down to something like 2% of the global market. And I think that they just realized there wasn't any point in trying to compete um, with Samsung and Apple. Um, which are the bigger players in certainly in Europe and in North America. Um, and the different Chinese um, tech companies are really taking hold in Asia and in South America. And I think LG just decided to let that business go. They're still doing the best TVs on the market. They've got lots of home appliances, uh, washers and dryers, and I've got a LG refrigerator. So that's where they're going to focus their efforts, leaving smartphones hmm. behind in the dust. 
in the dust. Well, they've got lots of market share they can go after. It doesn't have to just be uh, those those handheld devices. They must see something there or not there for them to pull out. Um, they're, they're not one of the screen makers, though, are they? Yeah, they are, actually. Um, so there's part of that that will continue to be their business. But you know, the, the reason that maybe we would be a bit sad about this is because LG actually had some pretty interesting innovation. They were the first ones to come out with capacitive screens. So the iPhone that you have today might not exist if it wasn't for LG doing some interesting experimentation with being able to touch the screen the way we do with all of our smartphones now. Oh, interesting. And now I was pretty sure that they made TVs, but I was not confident because they were one of the big ones there. Um, okay, so chips and computers and all the shuffling going wrong with Apple getting into the chip game has seems to have caused a bit of a a ripple effect in computers in general when it comes to certain companies are pulling out of the chip maker land and they're getting into some of their own um, into their own hardware which means that a lot of software is changing. Now, this is just an observation for me. You know it better than I do. Is this part of what we're seeing here is a lot of changes be more proprietary and, and efficient in all things from hardware into what the software does? Those companies that can do it are doing it. Apple's the great example with their new Apple Silicon that they're putting into all their computers now. Um, and it, it really it comes down to if you don't have to go to different vendors to get those different components to make your products. You've got more control over the security of those products. You've got more control over how they all interact and you own more of the supply chain. So you can keep prices down and profits up. Um, but the other thing is there's just always really interesting competition going on um, among the different players. And one of the big interesting battles that has been going on for years is the battle between Intel and AMD, which are the two main chip makers. And one of the shifts that we've seen recently it was just announced today, actually. Um, Dell unveiled two new gaming laptops, one of which is there in their Alienware gaming laptop line. And these new computers are using the AMD Ryzen processors. So they've dropped Intel for this latest series of laptops and gone with the AMD chip instead. So what is the uh, what does that mean? What's the outcome? Is it uh, is it faster? Is it better? Does it scratch your back in that spot you can't reach? Like how does it work? Well, it, and and again, it depends on what other components are working with it. Um, the reason that Dell would make a move to AMD is because they think that there is it's a better fit with what they're putting into these machines, the Alienware M15 Ryzen and the Dell G15 Ryzen edition. Um, but it's also very likely because AMD gave them a really good price on a whole bunch of chips that they would use to build in. Um, something else that's super slick on the new Alienware. They've actually got a completely new paint job. And I mean, Alienware, this is one of those computers where you're paying a bit more because you want the look of the device. And these do look slick. They're really awesome laptops. They've got a new cooling technology in here. They've got a new paint job. It's very sweet. And it's available with an optional mechanical keyboard, which is a rare, almost never before seen thing in a laptop this thin to have a fully mechanical keyboard option. 
Very cool stuff. Um, we had a conversation on Monday about Roomba lawnmower style things. Now, we didn't get deep into the technology. Uh, we got more about, by the way, there's no AI in the robot lawnmower that reads dog poop, and it'll just smear it. So when, when the AI can dodge the dog poop, then that's an exciting time. But really, it's not having to mow your lawn is pretty cool. Where, where does this go? Well, we've got robots vacuuming and mopping our floors. And I will say that as smart as they may be in being able to map out your floor plan and not go downstairs, um, they still can't navigate around poop that might be on your floors. So I Fair. don't think it's a knock on the robot so mowers Gross that they can't dodge things. Um how but, much poop yeah, do you have I, on I, your floor that this is a problem, though, man? <laughs> oh, maybe you're training a puppy. Maybe your cat's a jerk. I don't know. Too much tequila. Um, I do know that Husqvarna has got, like, 10 different models of residential automowers that some of them can, you know, um, mow more than an acre of turf at a time, which is a lot. Um, and they've got an app for their, their for iPhones now, so you can actually start your robot mower and adjust the settings on it and park it when it's done uh, from the comfort of that lawn chair with a nice frosty beverage in your hand. Oh, does it come with a free Husqvarna beer cozy? Because that would be the selling point for that most people. And then, though, can you imagine? Here's buy our robotic lawnmower. Here's your free lawn chair and beer cozy. I think that's a marketing genius right there. We'll do all the work for you. Blaine Kylo and Technological World. We're playing baseball. Tell us about it. This is this is a big deal, actually. Um, the singular baseball simulation, uh, MLB, the show is developed by San Diego Studio, which is a studio, it's a Sony subsidiary. So this video game where you get to play all of the, um, all of those awesome baseball players that are on the show, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., the cover athlete this year, although I think he might have done himself in the other day. So whether he's playing this season or not remains to be seen. Um, but it's always been exclusive to the PlayStation platform until now for the mm. first time ever when mlb the show 21 releases on april 20th it's going to be available on xbox one and the xbox series xs consoles as part of the xbox game pass this is a huge deal sony is essentially saying yeah we are totally okay with a game that normally is only available on our platform being available on the xbox so I don't know what the implications are of this beyond um, Xbox players and fans and gamers being able to pick up a virtual bat and swing it out a virtual ball. It's quite remarkable. Uh, I mean, for Sony, of all things, first of all, they have never known to share technology multi-platform for 30 years. But at the same time, man, these screen grabs of the game and the reality of it, like it, the way these, it's not like it used to be with the old classic Nintendo hockey, right? Where you chose the fat guy or the skinny guy. It's not like that. This is amazing. No, graphics. no. Sports sims are on a whole new level. And in a few months, we'll be getting a new NHL game from EA. And we'll be getting a new FIFA game from EA. And the new Madden game will be coming out in August. And these things, 
they are really something to behold. And I really like playing MLB the show. I've kind of gotten into baseball the past couple of years because my kids play it and didn't really care about it back when I was their age. But it's super fun to take on these players and be in these ballparks because it's, if you've got a fancy TV and a really good console, it's like you're there. It's really realistic. What do you think's leading the way here? Well, you know how the camera angles have changed for real baseball? What do you think's leading the way? Are the camera angles in real baseball influencing video games or are the video game angles and perspectives influencing the way we watched on TV? Huh, I haven't thought about that. I think there might be a bit of both. The difference with video games, though, is you can put a camera where you can't in a real world situation because it's you don't have to worry about interfering with players or umpires yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. Knocking the ball off foul because it's on a cable like the football games have there. Yeah, like the, fo um, the football cameras, yeah. It's, but it is, it's so remarkable. And if you were flipping through pictures, you would not be able to distinguish between just quickly what's real and what's not real. The quality is absolutely so amazing. All right. It's a technological world here. Blaine Kylo on the shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. Let's grab the, do you want to intro this or we can we just go with the clip, Blainer? Well, there's a new game out from People Can Fly and published by Square Enix and it's called Outriders. And this is what it sounds like. as explorers, pioneers, but we became something more, blurring the line between mortals and gods. The world order has changed. We were once prey. Now, we're the predators. All right, tell us about Outriders. Well, I'll tell you, it's a really interesting idea. It's a third-person shooter. Um, it's a mission and arena-based game, so you are an outrider. You get to customize your outrider, and you're going into combat situations on this planet called Enoch, which is where humanity is trying to sort of preserve itself. But this is not a hospitable environment. Everything out there is trying to kill you, and you're trying to survive. You can play this solo, you can play in three-person squads, and one of the really interesting things that People Can Fly have done is, well, there's cover mechanics all over, there's cover all over the place. So you might be thinking, oh, well, I'm supposed to get behind cover to do damage. That is not how you play this game. The only way you heal in this game is by doing damage to enemies. So they're actually forcing you to be an aggressive fighter because the only way you can stay alive is by killing the bad guys, and that forces you into the combat. If you were just playing it for that alone, Outriders is amazing. Unfortunately, the surrounding elements of this game are just awful. It it In the first hour of play, I think I actually played for about five minutes. There is no pacing in this story at all. The, the movement of the characters is really um, awkward. The, the characters themselves are awful. The dialogue and the narrative happening here is just oh, the boy. worst form of science fiction. So if you want to get in there and just have some arena battles with friends, it's fun, but there's not going to be enough in Outriders to make it last. Blaine Kylo, Technological World. Thanks, Blainer. We'll talk to you next week. This is The Shift Podcast.
So Ryan O'Donnell had found this I, sport. It's clearly a sport. I mean, it's athleticism. Oh, definitely. But it's a surprising sport. This is Tynan Rollo, and he is a part of hockey <laughs> on wheels. One, in fact. Uh, so, Tynan, thanks for hanging out with us, man. I you got to forgive my naivety in this a little bit because uh, this is amazing. It's cool. It's kind of Canadian, but it's kind of quirky and weird. Unicycle hockey. Yeah, it, it's a no. I've been a part of like unicycle hockey and all of that for years now. Um, actually, Canada is not actually known for unicycle hockey in the broader community. It's more Germany, Australia, and Switzerland that are known for it. Really? Hey. Yeah. So this is like a this is like a pretty common. Like it's not like it's a hey. By the way, I ride a unicycle. Let's get some friends together. I mean, this is a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, and in, really? in Germany, they have uh, five different leagues and you need to like leagues. work your way up to get into the A-League. You can't play in the A-League competitions until you've played in like the E and your team has gotten good enough to get into like the D and all the really? way up. Hey. Uh, well, okay. So this is going to be, I guess the question would be before we go any further, describe for me what unicycle hockey is and how we can relate to it. I imagine it's kind of like floor hockey on a bike. Yeah, well, definitely. Like we use a ball uh, in inter international rules. It's a tennis ball rather than a street hockey ball. Uh, and you'll play in like in a gym and um, similar size to a regular hockey uh, sort of like court. Um, but the rules are a bit different uh specifically because we're on a unicycle and in order to make the game keep going if we allowed checking and that kind of thing oh that'd be fine it would just be chaos so it's it's no a no body co- contact yeah no contact okay um and, and then the Can other you slash each other at least though like from no, a distance that's really? like you're not allowed to slash and, and all of these like uh those pieces when you're actually in a competition are no go Okay. Can't even like yeah, high stick is defined as like anything above the waist of the smallest player on the court. Oh, not even your waist. No, it has to be because so, some some games, uh, the like nine year old Germans mm. are really good. Um, really, hey. But uh, and they'll play uh, in a team with some of the older uh, people in the competitions. But if you know you do a high stick and it's at my waist it might be in someone else's face. Okay. So, I mean, have you ever tried it with studded tires on the ice? I mean, that to me seems like the natural progression of that sport. No, no. I mean, like I think of the ice hockey, it's crazy. You put two blades on your feet and you strap them to your feet and you're on ice. Yeah. That's insane. There's a level of skill in that. That's crazy. And being on a unicycle is kind of similar in that your hands are free. Um, and it's hard enough staying on one wheel, letting it alone getting on ice. Yeah, I get the parallel. That okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so it's like floor hockey with a tennis ball, and uh, like uh, more like floor hockey, but on a unicycle, and and you ride around. So t- tell me what the draw is here for you uh, to play this because yeah, I when I was younger, I tried to ride a unicycle. I could probably go ten or twelve feet in some semblance of control but things like turning and coming back were not really 
anything that I was ever very good at. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a little history of unicycle and, and, yeah. and why this is a thing. For for me, it's like that piece where some people, when they learn how to unicycle, they kind of like stall at a certain point and don't progress. It's a very individual sport. Uh, but if you actually like get together and play games, you forget that you're practicing and learning. Uh, and then you get more social. So like uh, oftentimes as a unicyclist, it's one of those rare, there are a lot of hobbies like this, but someone's go, you unicycle. I know someone that unicycles. I'm going to connect right. you to them. So well, it's not like you just pass other unicyclers in the street. I mean, it's kind of a lonely hobby, right? Yeah. But we find each other. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the beauties of it. So like the unicycle hockey kind of came out of a bunch of people who learned how to play on their own and then tried to uh, play some games together. There's been a few different like group games on unicycles because uh, your hands are free. You don't have any handlebars mucking things up. So I know some yeah. friends in Australia play actually like touch football. Uh, <laughs> so, like anything's possible. Uh, France is known for basketball um, and Puerto Rico also has really? the, one of the best unicycle basketball teams. That's uh, amazing. So it's, it's born from like people practicing and having fun with a particular skill set. Well, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody who's terribly unfit on a unicycle before. Right. So I guess some of the benefits would be general core overall athleticism and, you know, being active. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely like learning with your body and challenging your body to uh, do new things. So it's that constant uh, bettering yourself a little bit piece. Yeah. Huh. So how did you get started with the unicycle? Um, I mean, <laughs> the easy jokes are clearly there. And I know the text messages that are going to come from our audience are going to be like, um, you know, clown school or something. Oh, so how, what, did, how did you yeah. get started? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's like when you're riding down the street, everyone is always kind of going, where's your other wheel? Or um, Yeah, everyone's funny. And then you always have like the comebacks where it's like, I don't need a training wheel. Uh, oh, nice. That's or funny. like the twice the person, half the bike. Uh, <laughs> it was like, Got at a half office sale. Didn't realize it was half off. Nice. Um, I like it. Yeah. How I got into it. Um, my sister had one and it was like broken tire kind of sitting there in her room and she was cleaning it out. She's going to get throw it out. And I just grabbed it, fixed it up and started practicing quickly, put a hole in the, in the wall. And then I was only allowed to practice outside. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but Yeah. I kind of got started and into the community because as soon as people heard, as I was saying earlier, like that I was riding, uh, someone would run up to me down the streets like, hey, I unicycle too. Do you want to go for a ride sometime? Wow. Um, and yeah, mostly got into it from like the off-road or mountain unicycling uh, desire. And like in the early 2000s, there's someone known as Chris Holm, who's actually a local Vancouverite. Um, who was sponsored by Norco and he kind of inspired me to get into the, the sport. Um, so he rides all the North shore trails. Um, and there's some pretty famous videos of him, like riding along the Burrard street bridge and around the chief. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got into it through that. And then unicycle hockey, uh, happened when I moved to Australia where they have a, a similar, like group of people who play unicycle hockey every single Sunday. Hmm. 
Um, it's a little different on a unicycle because you can't coast the same way. Not traditionally. Uh, there yeah, are not the same as the traditional. Unicycles. Those are insanely yeah. hard. I would imagine because then how do you like the forwards and the backwards and the, I mean, that's part of the control thing, yeah. right? When you're at a standstill. So, okay. So this is so cool. I think this is neat. So, I mean, it's not like the kind of thing that anybody just goes and picks up, but typically it is the kind of thing that anybody could just go and pick up. You see people on, I've seen them on, it's like a, a unicycle um, just riding to work. Yeah. And then I've seen them on, it's almost like a, a single solo ball oh, hoverboard the, scooter thing. The new electric ones that are yeah. self-balancing. Yeah. And so like you see people that are, that are, are on those things and, you know, so it, it's clearly growing in general, this whole one so. wheel world. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's, that's a sport that has so many different aspects. Cause yeah, you've got, you're right. You got like, we don't have gears in the traditional biking sense. And it's definitely not as efficient as a bike. Uh, but so our way of gearing up is to have a bigger wheel. So if you're going long distance, you'll see someone with, I have a three foot uh, in diameter wheel. Uh, it's not quite the size of like those old penny farthing wheels, but pretty close. Wow. Um, and that's how you can go faster. I think the the speed record for fastest unicycles ride, I think is in the 50 kilometers an hour range. Wow, that's fast, eh? Yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so this is cool. I like this. So when we go back to hockey, um, t- tell me, is it, do you play five on five, three on three? I imagine that it gets a little uh, cluttered on there. What, what is, what does a game look it's like? It's five on five. Uh, the goalie is not need does not need to stay in net according to the rules. And the goalie needs to actually have the same stick as all other players. So there's no pads or any different, anything differentiating the goalie. Um, you can't interact with the ball at all if you're off your unicycle. So you have to always be on and um if you do fall off it's like if you get hit or interrupt the ball then it's like a foul and switches hands um, fair enough uh, okay so how does a goalie do that they must try to stand sideways and rock back and forth because it's <laughs> not like you can just kick your leg out there's a there's uh, like, a skill like set a goalie would which do is it. it becomes more mental of trying to trick out the person and judging where they're going to shoot the puck and using your wheel to get into position either through small jumps to move into the place where the ball is going to be or use your stick. Um, and yeah, uh, sort of psych out the person who's coming at the goalie and predict. Wow. Uh, this is amazing. Tynan. So where, where is there like a community website, a local hockey website? Like, is there um, any access points that people can go to if they're truly curious about like a, yeah unicycle hockey b if someone wants to try and get on one wheel and go what what, where do they do we have um we have a few different places we organize because like different people different technologies we have vanuni.com is our like local groups website but then from there we organize rides through a facebook group and also a a google like email group and uh there's people who ride almost every week even during the pandemic there's are like socially distant rides that happen with like two or three people max um, that people have been organizing in like Fort Langley and around the area. Um, mm. We haven't been doing anything with like as a big group or yeah, yeah it's wow. like I haven't done anything as a big group in a long time. No. 
This is remarkable. Well, thanks for sharing some time, Tynan. This is kind of cool. Are you so? Do you play a particular position as you? Uh... Uh, I'm kind of like the. I guess. Well, it, it, I play more mid. If it was a soccer term, midfielder. I kind of go okay. back and forth between the defensive positions and the offensive, because um, I'm one of the faster riders. So that can just plays to my strengths in terms of getting out there, getting the ball and uh, defending. Cause a lot of people are struggling to get anywhere on a unicycle. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what's the longest you've stayed on one? Like I realized that's totally an estimate question, but like you've like, you go for like an hour long bike ride and you just don't get off, you know, play a whole, like uh, if you had to guess. I did a long distance ride um, over a week in Tasmania and we did about 110 kilometers a day. So that was, I think we probably the longest on the unicycle at one time was like two or three hours. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. That's awesome. All right. Well, unicycle hockey, it's a thing. Uh, Tyne and Rollo and his friends are playing it. He's out of the West coast and, uh, and sharing it with us here on The Shift. Thanks so much for this, brother. This is cool Thanks. stuff. I love it. Yeah, maybe one day we'll actually have it on TV, but I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Send us a picture. Uh, I would love that. If you could send us a picture of a game, just like this is a game. I realize no games right now, but even, yeah. um, you know, anything to just sort of put a visual to it. I, this is so curious to yeah, me. I, can, I love it. I can pass a few. I love that. Well, thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay? Thank you. Are you okay with marijuana-themed everything? Yeah, why not? I mean... Yeah, I'm... I'm yeah, go ahead, Brendan. Well, I, yeah, uh, why not? Like, if you're going to have Bud Light on everything and things like that, then why not marijuana-themed? It's legal. Just... I'm, yeah, I'm, have, I'm okay uh, with it as long as it happens, like, not, like, low-picked fruit, easy, cheesy jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it, too. I'm okay with it because I tend to wear my passions on my, uh, um, well, everything, like, BTS calendar right behind me right now. You guys can't see that, but there's a BTS calendar right behind me. There's, like, anime, cartoon-themed stuff that I put on my car. You know, you you tend to put stuff that you like on things that you use or wear or whatever. So marijuana themed anything, if you're really that much into weed, um, for sure, I, I would be okay with that. All right. For the right price now, Colorado drivers can buy the rights to marijuana-themed license plate configurations. In Alberta, for example, where I live, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, you can get an Edmonton Oilers license plate. You can get a Calgary Flames license plate. Can you get a Vancouver Canucks license plate? Oh, that I don't know. I know in Ontario it's... you can you can get a Star Trek license plate. So like, oh, that's fine. In in BC again, they killjoy everything, so probably not. Oh, as part of the Colorado Disability Fund 420 auction, 14 license plates with the words like "oh bong hash" and uh, "indica" are being auctioned. So I'm assuming that those are like a, a vanity plate. As of Monday night, ranges prices range from $320 for stash license plate 
to an is it 420 plate, which is currently at $6,420. Here is the, uh, which is ironic, here is the nine news report. And how Colorado is this? The state is auctioning off a series of marijuana-themed license plates, and it's for a good cause, of course. The 14 official state plates include phrases like bong, ganja, and hemp. Yep, those are the exact words. Revenue will go to the Colorado Disability Funding Committee. The auction runs until April 20th or 420, you know, the unofficial holiday celebrating marijuana. Colorado is already planning to hold the auction again next year on April 20th. If you can have anything written on your license plate, what would it be? Because I think for mine, mine would be sunshine. It's just straight up sunshine. S-U-N-S-H-I-N-E. That's eight, though. It's too long. Doesn't it have to be seven is the max? Is seven the max? Oh, man. I think I just have to go BTS then. Simple. <laughs> BTS. <laughs> BTS LVR. That would be yours. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I would do. I had a vanity plate when I was a DJ way back. My parents uh, got me that one years ago. That was probably 19. So I don't know, 20 maybe? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just I, I kind of assumed it was going to be like uh, the plate with a marijuana plant leaf on it. I didn't know it was the name. Hmm. Are you Okay. Are you okay? I don't know how to ask this one. Are you okay with... Hmm. I'm going to say this. Are you okay with churches staying open against restrictions? That's how I'm going to ask that. That's a tough one. Um, well, Jason, you're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're big in your church. So what is your, yes, what yeah. are you guys doing? Um, we're, we're doing everything, um, virtually, um, actually it's, it's funny, it's funny asset. So, um, we, we suspended, um, children's worship services and I'm again, like I'm a Sunday school teacher. I, I teach the kids on the weekend, uh, for, for church. Um, so we've actually uh, brought that back where only the teacher would go to the place of worship and there'd be a camera and just a one or two tech people in there recording it. And then that is live stream to all the households. Uh, that are in the like that are in the province that are going um, to the same church. So this weekend, um, it's my turn. Like there's a bunch of us. It's my turn to actually teach this weekend. So it's kind of it's gonna be kind of weird, like going in there again and um, teaching in front of a camera instead of front of kids. Um, but in terms of uh, churches uh, remaining open, um, if it's causing more, like personally me as a religious person, um, if even me, like if it's causing outbreaks. I don't think you know you can you can attend virtually. Um, I've we've I've, I've I've been attending church virtually now for the past year and a bit. Um, and while I say it, you know while while I do agree that you know it's not the same thing, it's still going to church. Um, so I think honestly, with when it comes to churches opening up again, if the cases are this high, especially in Canada right now, especially with our vaccine rollout. I think, honestly, they should remain closed until everything is back to normal. The social aspect is an important part, of course. Um, uh, to Jason's point, I mean, it is kind of a presence conversation, right? It's sort of a, 
present and a study and a practice and then a practice through your life all throughout the day. So maybe there's something I'm missing here. Could be a crowd grew throughout the day outside of Grace Life Church, just outside of Edmondson after fences were put up around the building by Alberta Health Services and RCMP on Wednesday morning. Literally a fence around the building. Nobody can go in. It's been a long haul on this uh, place and what's been going on. Edmonton's Nicole Stilger gave the latest on the church and what's happening. Well, dozens of supporters of Grace Life Church are still here. We even saw Pastor James Coates among them as well. And you can see, of course, the barriers are up. There's uh, two layers to those barriers. And police this morning, they showed up at around 7.30, and that's when the fences started to go up. Now, with some of these uh, with some of these supporters, some are holding signs saying church is essential. So it got a little tense here at moments today, but for months, Grace Life Church has been holding services that violate COVID-19 restrictions. These include mandatory masks at churches, and capacity has to be at 15%. Now, the church hasn't been complying with this, and AHS said for several months it's tried to work collaboratively, collaboratively with Grace Life to address these ongoing public health concerns, and this goes back to December. Now, we spoke with a constitutional scholar from the U of A, and he says the government will, will have to justify why it did this, but given we're in a pandemic, the actions are reasonable. It's outrageous that a government would proceed with this kind of very aggressive, draconian enforcement of a health order when that very same health order is being challenged in court for unjustifiably violating our charter rights and freedoms. Can the government justify why why it has done so as a reasonable limit? And here, there may be room for disagreement, but I think a court of law would find no hesitation in finding that in the context of a pandemic, in the context of rising rates of transmission, of, of highly transmissible variants of this deadly disease in which 2,000 Albertans have died, um, there is no question that it is reasonable. Now, according to the Justice Centre, which is representing Coates, it says it's in the process of filing a subpoena to require Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, to testify at the trial of Pastor James Coates, which is, of course, on May 3rd. Now, we know COVID cases are on the rise here in Alberta, and all of this is happening just one day after the Premier announced new health restrictions. Now, again, dozens of supporters here on this road, just in front of the church. Vehicles can be seen all the way down. It's unclear exactly how long these supporters will be hanging out. It's a remarkable story. Um, This is one of those ones that history will dictate whether or not it works. Meanwhile, MP Derek Sloan also released this very, very windy video. Sign that petition. Let's open this church. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Very windy. Um, I don't know. What do you do? I think that maybe you just go and you say, look, um, these. this is what's been imposed. And if you want to go, and I don't think this works at all. And I'll get to my point. If you go and you get anybody sick or there's any transmission there, this is what it costs you. And 
that would be a thing. The problem is, though, is that somebody would get sick and then not report it. And then you sure as heck watch what happens is then there's a massive outbreak, kind of like, um, you know, when the people go to work and they're sick and they've got the COVID and that doesn't help anybody. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.